20th episode of the Tony G Show of Season 7. However, it's a different one. There is no Will McCormick today. He is out. He had to call in a substitute. He's not sick or anything like that. He just had a couple things come up last minute. So Will will be back in time for the Thanksgiving show on Tuesday in person. Jason Fonder will be there too. Will McCormick is out today. Usually I just ride solo for these episodes. Usually when Will McCormick can't make it, I say, all right, just, you know, I'll see you on the next show and then roll with the Tony G show like normal on my own. Will offered up an idea, an incredible idea to me that I've just never thought of before. He said, why don't you get one of our friends who I'll mention in a minute when I bring him in on the show to just substitute for me. Just bring him in, have him fill in for a show, and then I'll see you on Tuesday. I thought about it. Usually I'm one, you know, I, I, part of the reason that I do this podcast is to hone in my skill set as the young broadcaster, sportscaster that I like to think myself uh, is becoming and, you know, it's for my career, and this is stuff I want to do. So I usually like the practice of rolling solo. But this guest is just so special to the Tony G Show, I couldn't help but bring him on as the sub-in for Will McCormick. Will McCormick out today, so I got our NFL draft expert and college football expert, Matthew Swanson, to fill in. Hi, Matt. Thanks for coming in to, to fill in for Will McCormick today. Don, you're very welcome. Very happy to be here. I feel like the sixth man coming off the bench you here. You kind of are. <laughs> you kind of are. Well... You know, when I say this, and it's something that is almost goofy in nature when I say that the Tony G Show has a draft expert or an NBA expert or something like that, you are actually our NFL draft expert and college football expert, but that's not ju- – I just don't call anybody that. Yeah. You have earned that right. Yeah. You, you do your work, you know, and you don't like to give – you're a humble man. You don't like to give yourself credit for certain aspects of your career like this, but you're actually really good at this. It's part of what you do, too. You are an intern. Tell me, fill me in on this internship that you have. It's right along the lines of you being our draft expert and college football expert. Basically, what happened was um, I built a relationship with a scout from the Cleveland Browns um, over a period of time, over about a year. And I used to sit in coffee shops over winter and summer breaks and just kind of write reports. Um, Well, eventually, I got an opportunity um, and submitted a couple of my reports to a game called the Hula Bowl. And what this bowl game is, is it's like a senior bowl, right? We're building a roster, yeah, um, and looking to play place players in the NFL. Um, so basically, what I'm doing for this internship is I'm going to college football stadiums, scouting players, um, and I'm also writing reports on these players in an effort to get a better understanding of who they are and to evaluate them to get the best players on this roster possible. Interesting. Yeah. So it's like you said. So let me just try to line this up here with how I'm envisioning it, because I. Before you started this internship, I did not follow the Hula Bowl. I wasn't too brought up to speed on it. Yeah. So it's like a senior bowl, did you say? Exactly. But for college, what what level? D1 through D3. D1. It's oh, like the senior bowl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I get what you're saying then. Awesome. So it's a good experience, though. Oh, I it's mean, phenomenal. You're yeah. starting to learn a lot. How have you... I don't, I don't mean to turn this into the Tony G Show interviews here, but how do you feel yourself as an aspiring scout or someone who who is really good at... I mean, the ins and outs of watching film and being a, a scout type. How do you feel like you've gotten better through your internship? Uh, I definitely feel like I've gotten a lot better at evaluating the mechanics of a player, like in terms yeah. of like pass sets, pass blocking, hand placement. Before, I'd kind of just like look at a player and say, oh, okay, he's good. Like he's dominating competition. But now I think I've developed the tools to develop maybe players that are at a lower level hmm. and project how they can play 
at, a, at the highest level that is the NFL. So it's kind of really been an interesting dynamic, and I've learned not only a lot about football, but a lot about myself as well. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, man. See what I mean? I don't just bring in anybody and call them an expert. I mean, you are our expert. I mean, I'm not going to go call Mel Kuyper or you know anyone at the ESPN level, Fox Sports level that, that does the scouting. I, you know, I just don't have those types of resources, and I don't know that I'd want them. With Matthew, Matthew Swanson in my corner, our NFL draft expert, college football expert. Thank you for coming on today, man. Oh, shucks, Tone, as they <laughs> yeah. say. No, you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. Again, avid listener. Um, I've listened to you since you started the show. Um, and to those of you listening out there, please continue to tune in and watch this guy's rise because oh, he's doing now some you great stop. things. Yeah, now I, you yeah stop. I can't help it. <laughs> this is the first time that you've Actually, the second time. This is the second time that you've been in studio for a Tony G show. We've called you before. There was the one time I called you impromptu about Trevor Lawrence when he was still at Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> you were in between classes, and you spent like 10 minutes with us, which I appreciate. I was actually but... in church, but yeah. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How dare you take that phone call from me, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, this is the first time that I've had a sub in for Will. As I mentioned, usually when Will isn't here, I just kind of ride solo, get the good practice that it is to ride solo on the podcast, but... This time, we're going to have a Selvin. This is the first time I've ever had a formal fill-in. I've had people come in and, and sit in for episodes and stuff like that, but this is the first formal fill-in for Will McCormick. So thanks again for coming on, Matt. Can't wait to talk. You know, in talking pre-show with you, we got a good show planned. We'll get to it in a second. We're going to have some good debates. You and I are going to take opposing sides in segment one. We're going to be on the same side, at least as we see now, for segment two, and then we're going to pick Tony G's Picks of the Week for segment three. I can't wait to get into this episode. Yeah, it's going to be excellent. Let's okay. go. Before we get into it, Olivia DeClean interview just dropped yesterday. That was very good. We've got good feedback on that already. If you haven't caught that, it's released wherever you listen to this podcast. It's right. It's just the last episode that was released just yesterday to the day of this recording. So give that a listen to the Olivia DeClean interview. Our next episode will be next Tuesday. That'll be the 23rd. That'll be the Thanksgiving episode. Will McCormick will be back. Jason Finder will be in studio. That is the Jason Finder Thanksgiving episode of season seven for the Tony G show. And then there's no show next Thursday because of Thanksgiving. And we'll resume on the 30th with a normal schedule from there. Only, only after today, five episodes left. That's it. Of this season. Oh, come on. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Where's the year going? I, in the atmosphere. It's gone. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's eluding quickly, but I can't wait to put together the next five episodes as well as this episode we're going to talk college football playoff rankings. We're going to debate on one team that either should be or should not be in the college football landscape. Then segment two, we're going to switch to who is the best team in the NFL? Our NFL draft expert, our college football expert, two segments that are right up his alley, and then segment number three, of course, Tony G's picks of the week. My hot streak got shorted out last week, but I look on starting another one. Matthew Swanson will be right with me with these picks of the week. Good episode we got planned. Should we get into it, Matthew? Are you ready? Are I'm you very ready. ready. For the Tony G Are show? you kidding me? Okay. Always ready. Always ready, he says. Let's get into it. Will McCormick sub in. Matthew Swanson on the show today. Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. 
Again, in case you're just tuning in and you skipped through the intro, that intro says, along with Will McCormick, here's Tony G. Will McCormick is out today, if you didn't go through the intro. We have a sub in. Matthew Swanson, our NFL draft expert, our college football expert. He's an intern for the Hula Bowl, does a great job scouting and watching film. Very happy to have him sub in today. Once again, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. And once again, Tone, thank you very much. Golly, it's good to have a uh, a sub in. It's good that, you know, when I have to go solo, it's a daunting task. It's one that I'm up to. It's a challenge that I'm certainly up to. It's good practice for my career, but, I mean, to have a sub in like this, I've never had it before, so it's interesting. I look forward to getting into it. Yeah, I do too. Well, why go solo when you can pick on me in a segment? <laughs> exactly, and that's exactly what we're going to do here. We're on different sides for segment number one, college football playoff rankings. Is that your computer? Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> it's taking off like a jet engine. It is. All right. Segment number one. Is it going to explode? No. Okay. That's good. Segment number one, college football playoff rankings. What team is on the fringe for should they be in the college football playoff rankings? Should they not be in the college football playoff rankings? Here are the number. Here are the top four, as according to the college football playoff. This isn't the AP poll. Georgia number one, Alabama number two, Oregon number three, Ohio State number four. Those are your top four in the country. Five, six, and seven: Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State. There's one team in those seven teams that Matt and I disagree on, as to who should be in the college football playoff landscape. Should the Cincinnati Bearcats at 10-0 be considered for the college football playoff top four teams in the FBS? I'm going to be on the side that, yeah, they should. And this isn't something don't that do we it, just Tom. conjured up. Don't, don't do it. I absolutely feel don't this Don't do way. it. Cincinnati should be in the college football playoff. I was on UCF years ago when they were undefeated season, undefeated season, impressive, impressive, impressive. And... This is the same type of argument. Cincinnati, the Bearcats, they're one of the best teams in college football. Are you, you disagree? kidding me? I see it in your face and in pre-show talking. Tony, you, you can't be doing this. Remember when you used to say, you're fired? <laughs> you're fired. I tell Will that all the time yeah. on the show still, actually. Yeah. Will has been fired. No. Actually, I think you're <laughs> fired. Listen, this is the same type of deal with UCF. Did UCF get in? No. Should they have? I argue, yeah. I argue, yeah, they absolutely should have. Cincinnati, should they get in at 10-0? I say yes. Here's what we look for, or at least what everyone talks about when deciding the top four te- the top four in college football. Who are the best teams that are going to put together the most competitive games? Alabama, even though they have the loss to Texas A&M, of course you're going to put them up there. They're one of the better teams. No doubt. Georgia, 10-0, of course, they're top 14. Ohio State, they're in it every year. They have the one bad loss as well. They're in it. I wouldn't say bad loss necessarily. Yeah. It was an all right loss. No, it's a loss. Oregon, same thing with them. Where was that? Stanford, they were on the road in overtime. And yeah. It happens. I think Cincinnati, undefeated at 10-0, is one of the best teams in the country. What qualifies a team as the best team in the country? Is it the play? Is it the record? Is it the players? Is it the coach? I have a couple stats. Tony G does his homework. And apparently, from what I hear, Matthew Swanson also did his homework as well for this episode. Cincinnati, the Bearcats. Here's a couple stats for you. 
ninth ranked scoring offense in the FBS. Sixth, sixth ranked scoring defense in the FBS. Second most interceptions at 16. First is Iowa with 19. Impressive, no less. 18th in the FBS regarding team passing efficiency. That's a number at 156.47. 18th best offense and pass efficiency, like I just said. Best, best, number one overall in defensive pass efficiency. Not to mention their best win. They went to Notre Dame, got the win over who is ranked now number six. Notre Dame, AP. Yeah. Or maybe it was them. Either way, they were number six. Okay. Cincinnati went into Notre Dame, knocked them off. Best team in the country. Best team in the country. You disagree. I see it in your face already. As a top four best team in the country? Yeah. They're not the best team in the country. Okay. Top four. Yeah. Top okay. four. Definitely. I see whether number five on the fringe. I get it. The Oregon and I think it should be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Cincinnati. Oh, Oregon should be five. Tone, have you looked at their strength of schedule? Yeah. It's absolutely awful. I get it. They've played Miami of Ohio, Murray State, Temple, Navy, Tulane, Tulsa, and South Florida. (laughs) Their best game has been Notre Dame. Yeah, and it was an impressive one. Yeah, but Notre Dame's number one quarterback got knocked out of the game halfway through. Jack Cohn? Yes. Yeah. And Notre Dame also currently has the number 69th ranked offense in the nation. So you can throw out all those defensive stats, right? I can. You can. And they're impressive. They are, but who are they against? So your argument is strength of schedule, of course. Yes. Temple, Murray State, UCF, Tulane. See, this you're laughing. The most, it, it, is, it is a very weak schedule. But you did what you had to do. You've won every game. You went into Notre Dame and won, which is a daunting task as it is, just on paper, no less to actually go do it. And the numbers that they're putting up, Matthew, they're one of the more efficient teams in the nation. Nobody is more efficient than them on both sides of the ball. Yeah. They're one of the better teams out there just the way they play. They're one of the most clean teams in college football. Well, when you play teams that are terrible on both sides of the ball, I think it's easy to be efficient. So you're going to tell me that that defense – is could stack up against an Ohio State offense that has players like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Master Teague, a team that has such offensive firepower. There, there's no way Cincinnati could stick with that, in my mind. I mean, you're going from playing the Tulane, Tulane Green Wave <laughs> to playing Ohio State. I mean, it, it just doesn't compare. So what I look at in the college football playoff, and I think you do this too, is yeah. you want the best games possible. And I think that a team like Oregon, a team like Notre Dame, a team like Michigan State would give you a much better matchup against a team like Georgia, Alabama, teams like that that are right at the top of the pack. I disagree with you. They've done it before. They've done it before. Notre Notre Dame has made the college football playoff and has just gotten leveled every time they go to the playoff. So you want to tell me that they're one of the better teams and they're going to go and and have the best game. Cincinnati has a better chance of having a better game against an Alabama, a Georgia, than a Notre Dame does. But is it better than Oregon, Michigan, Michigan State? I'd say say they're right up there. Okay. I don't know better, but they're right on the same level. They're on the same plane. Okay. Am I saying they're going to win a national championship? No. Am I saying they're going to win in that first round? And move to the national championship game? Are they even going to get to the national championship game? No, I'm not saying that. 
But they're one of the better teams in the country. They should be considered in the top four. Yeah. I could easily... It wouldn't surprise me if I see them playing in the national championship game. Am I saying they're going to? No. Would it surprise me? No. Okay. Same thing with an Oregon. Same thing with a Michigan. Same thing with a Michigan State. They're right up there with those same caliber of teams. Yeah. Top four team in the nation. So when you look at the end of the season, though, like what really matters? And that comes down to strength of schedule. Who did you beat? Who did you play? Yeah. Cincinnati plays Southern Methodist University, <laughs> and they also play East Carolina. East Carolina is not impressive. So not, Nor has the rest of them. No. Uh, so I don't know what to tell you there. If a team like Oregon goes into their conference and wins a conference championship, wouldn't that solidify them above a team that plays Southern Methodist University in East Carolina at the end of the season? All right. Here's the thing. It's the same thing with UCF weeks ago. Or weeks, years ago. Yeah. If UCF is undefeated, year after year, they're playing good teams, and then they're playing not-so-good teams. But they're beating all of them. Are they one of the top four teams in the country? Years ago, it was considered, no, they're not. It's the same thing here. I don't get why UC. I was on the UCF train years ago, yeah. and I'm on Cincinnati now. I don't know if it's just the underdog thing or what, but I think they're clean play. I think they're competitive teams. I think they're teams that could absolutely compete with some of the top tiers in the country. And granted, UCF has fallen off since. And how ironic that these two teams have played each other this year. Cincinnati wiped the floor with them a 56-21 game back on uh, October 16th. So how ironic that these two teams have played each other this year. Regardless, it's the same type of – I bought into UCF back when they weren't getting any love, and I'm buying into Cincinnati now when they can't crack the top four as an undefeated team, one of the cleanest teams in the country, one of the most efficient teams in the country. I've stumped you. Look at you. I've stumped you. I just don't know what to say because, like, I understand that, and I understand pulling for the underdog. When you're you're looking at games, like, typically don't you pull for the underdog? Like, take Alabama, for example. If a team's playing Alabama... So many people are sick of seeing Alabama win. That's a good point. That they're just pulling for the underdog, and I can understand that. Um, I think you do make a good point. I think it's a better point than I've heard lately in terms of bringing up all these stats about how good their defense is. Um, One aspect that I really do like about Cincinnati is their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Mm. He's a very mobile quarterback. He's a guy that can make the big throws. Um, He's been phenomenal throughout the season, and I think that's one thing that Cincinnati does have going for them because if you're going to succeed in these playoffs, that's one thing I think you need as a quarterback. So I think I would he agree. could put him over the hump. And not sense. to mention their head coach, uh, Luke Fickle. I mean, he's come in and revitalized this program. Oh, no doubt. He's come in and he's done an exceptional job and he's played a huge role in getting this team to where they need to be. So you look at the top four uh, coaches that are in this college football landscape. You got Nick Saban. You got a Ryan Day who took over after uh, Urban Meyer. Yep. You have a Ryan me the or I always forget his name. You're gonna say it and I'm gonna remember it. Organs. Yeah. Um, Mario S- Cristobal. Cristobal. Yeah. That's the last that's name. And then you got, of course, Kirby Smart over in Georgia. Yeah. Top four coaches in the nation, arguably Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. Yeah. Ryan Day, hard to argue against. Even Cristobal, I made a. I made the discussion, we could talk about this at the back end of the segment, but I made the discussion that Cristobal would be a good fit for LSU, yep. that opening. Top four coaches in the nation. Why is Luke Fickle not getting any love? 
That's actually a really good question. No one's talking about him. Yeah. No one's talking about the job he's done in Cincinnati. No one's talking about See, nobody's nobody loves these small market teams. It's not about winning or losing. It's not about putting the best It's about who's going to get the best ratings. Well, I mean, it's the same thing here in the Midwest. I mean, you look at the Bucks and you look at the Packers. I mean, they're small market teams from yeah. the Midwest. Yep. Nobody expects them to win and when they do, it's kind of like it's a big party up here everywhere yeah. else. Not I wouldn't so say much. Packers. I would say Brewers. Yeah, that Everyone's too. kind of buying in the Packers. With Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, that's kind of changed that narrative. Yeah. But I do get what you're saying. The smaller markets don't get the love because they don't drag in the ratings. You know, yeah. If they get to a Super Bowl, if they get to a national championship, good luck getting people to buy into that game. It's not It's not Patriots or, or Rams out in L.A. It's not Tampa yeah. Bay out in Florida. It's not, you know, it's not any anything about best teams in the nation dragging ratings in. It's about the most name power. Yeah. That's what college football is looking at. That's why UCF being in the top four isn't, didn't happen. That's why Cincinnati's probably not going to happen. It's not because they're not the best team. It's because they're not going to drag in the most ratings. That's true. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it is a money-making league, right? I mean, yeah, they, they have right. to it's pull, a business. In, pull in viewers. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I completely agree with you, though, that, with that on Luke Fickle. I mean, in terms of being a coach and being able to crack that lineup of yeah. the the traditional like top three in terms of Dabo uh, Swinney, who's not there this year, obviously. Yeah, what but happened there? Nick Saban. Going? Yeah, I don't know. Um, they've kind of just dropped off. I mean, they've they've been as talented as they have been in years past. I think yeah. it's just the time where they're now developing younger talent, mm-hmm. as they are be. a very young team. They are. Yep. So, what what do you think about my take? I had this a couple of weeks ago, uh, but Mario Cristobal leaving Oregon for the LSU opening. I predicted that would happen. Ed Ogeron is. Mutually parting ways with LSU, he said he's going to take some time away from football. Yeah, I think Mario Cristobal is a good fill-in for that that position. Oh, I think he is great. I think he's great too. I mean, you look at Michigan State and Mel Tucker. He Cristobal is kind of like that guy that just brings an energy and that changing attitude, that okay. culture changing yep. attitude. Um, I don't think he'll leave Oregon for the sole purpose that that's where he played football in college, and that's kind of like. That's his baby. Yeah, like, correct. He, I think he's going to stay there. I, I don't think he'll leave. I don't think it's a bad option. I think LSU is definitely going to put a hefty sum on the table to get him away from Oregon. But will he do it is another question. A lot of people throwing names around like Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Even Urban Meyer has been thrown around. I've heard uh, Jimbo Fisher. I don't buy into any of those names. I don't think those are real opportunities for their coaches to leave those programs. And for the case of Urban Meyer, I mean, he just got to Jacksonville. So I don't see any real option. I mean, if it's not Cristobal, then who is it? I mean, I I don't see any foreseeable big-name head coach leaving their program like Elaine Kiffin, even though he's known to do it in the past. I don't see anybody leaving their program for LSU. No, I mean, I, I don't either in terms of college football coaches, but the ones you can look at are assistant coaches in the NFL who have coached okay. in college football. football. Um, you look at Bill O'Brien, um, who is now with the New England Patriots. Um, he, is, he is a joke to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, these guys are the guys that get the opportunities just because they are at that high level um, and they know what it takes to win in college football and in the NFL, what even about, though they aren't head coaches in the NFL. What about James Franklin? I love him at Penn State. I also love him. at. I, I am on the same train as that. Yeah. He is just a fit for that program. He's a guy who that took that program from the Joe Paternal, Jerry Sandusky. What a mess that was. Mess, absolutely. Train wreck of a situation. Completely tainted the image of Penn State. I mean, Paternal was there for decades, and it just ruined 
the entire image of that. Yeah. Because it's, and rightfully so because of Sandusky. He took that program and made it into a top 10 program that is always consistent. Granted, they always have that problem that they can't take the next step up. You know, they can't. They always have that one loss that just takes away their hopes of getting in the college football That's playoff. That's the entire every year. Big Ten, though. You're right. It's it a good point. It literally is. What's the one thing barring every other team from the Big Ten to being successful? Ohio State. That's true. Nobody can beat Ohio That's State. It's the Penn State problem. It's the Michigan problem. It's the Wisconsin problem. It's the Michigan State problem. I mean, yeah. granted, Michigan State's only been good for this season after the last five or so years. But you're right. That's a good point. Yeah. Even though Northwestern has had impressive runs, but they've always just kind of run into that one game that swipes away their their opportunities to work into the playoff. I mean, you look at teams like Alabama who have a loss, Oregon who have a loss. They have losses, and they're still up there. It's not the same with the Big Ten because the Big Ten is just run by Ohio State. It is. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. As, as, a, as a Big Ten fan, I mean, it, it's hard to watch. Uh, and I, I'm sure the SEC feels the same way in terms of Alabama running, ruling the roost mm-hmm. on that side of the fence too. Um, yeah, the Big Ten, everybody's calling for Harbaugh's head. Everybody was calling for D'Antonio's head. I was. You were? For Harbaugh? Harbaugh? Yeah. I said he wasn't going to – and I, I was interested on hearing – it wasn't recent that I made that uh, claim, but yeah. I think Harbaugh, I don't know if he's a fit for Michigan anymore. He's had a very good year this year, though, so that's kind of wiped away my take. Yeah, he has. Uh, the one thing that I always look at and think about, too, is Michigan sits at 9-1 and one right now. What other coach is there out there that's going to get you to nine and one in the Big Ten? It's the same thing with Penn State. Yeah, you know, if people are calling for James Franklin, said, so yeah. what else is going to get you that amount of wins, that quality of a season? Exactly. And Michigan State, I think, has struck gold in Mel Tucker. I think he's a program builder, a guy that's really, really turned things around there as well. Uh, D'Antonio was a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but Tucker seems to have brought a new energy to the Michigan State campus, the Michigan State football team program. Um, kind of like Tom Izzo, uh, just a program builder, a very charismatic guy. And now they're starting to see the implications of that in terms of bringing in better recruits in the state. I think for next year right now, um, they're beating Michigan in terms of in-state recruiting, which is massive um, when you look at college football. So we've had the Cincinnati discussion. I think I'm right. I think you're wrong. Either way, we've had that discussion. Come on. We have a couple more minutes in segment one here. And I want to use our college football expert, Matthew Swanson, I want to brainstorm a couple questions off of you while okay. we have time. All right. What do you make out of the whole Oklahoma situation? Spencer Rattler was the starter, lost his opportunity. They make the switch to the younger Caleb Williams. Yeah. And he does an exceptional job, plays out of his mind for the Sooners, and everybody's looking at Spencer Rattler like, you are overrated. What, what has transpired this season for the Sooners? I think they're in between a rock and a hard place right now. You go between um, going from a quarterback that you think is going to be the next big thing and he doesn't turn out, and then you're automatically looking to the next guy in line, um, which is Williams. Um, The Sooners, I think, have had a very clear leader in their locker room over the past couple of years in terms of you talk to me about the leadership of Baker Mayfield, in terms of Kyler Murray, guys that kind of go out their business and hold their head high. Rattler just strikes me as the guy that isn't that type of leader. He seems like he's very self-involved, um, kind of for himself. I agree, and, and, and I think that's really gotten to him. I don't. Did you ever watch? Um, I know QB one on yes, Netflix. It did. That's exactly why I think that. Yeah, and that just that documentary spoke to me a lot in terms of the character of Spencer Rattler, and I don't think you can have a guy like that 
as your leader at quarterback, a guy who is so selfish and just self self-absorbed. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I think that's a really tough thing to overcome. So I think right now um, Oklahoma is really trying to overcome that, and they're really trying to find their identity at quarterback where it's been obvious in the past. And I think that's really thrown them for a loop. I've always thought that Spencer Rattler is Spencer Rattler's biggest fan. Now switching gears to staying with college football but different teams speak to me about the incredible job that Dave Clawson has done for Wake Forest a guy who used to coach Bowling Green I mean he didn't come from like Alabama he wasn't a descendant of Urban Meyer he just kind of came out of the blue and making Wake Forest a top 10 team in the country what has gone on for that program uh, to be honest with you, I haven't looked a lot at Wake Forest in general. Okay. Um, all I know is that they've been winning football games. And yeah. Wake Forest in the past has not been known as a top 25 team, let alone maybe a top 45 team. Um, to turn a program around and kind of just make it visible in the college football world at a small venue like Wake Forest, I, I compare it to Pat Fitzgerald and Northwestern a little bit. Okay. So yep. I was just at Northwestern for uh, my scouting gig. Um, just doing a little bit of work there. And I talked to a couple of people and they said before Pat Fitzgerald got there, the program was nothing. And he just basically, he came in there. He said, Hey, I'm going to change the culture. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy, but you guys, it's either you're with me or you're not. And I, I think that's the thing that Wake Forest has done, um, in that aspect and turning it around. Um, and they will continue to do so. I think in the future, I think they're setting that that cornerstone right now um, in an effort to build off of. They've never gotten the best recruits, obviously. Within the past couple of years, they've always relied on kind of like lower recruits with higher upside. Well, it's a harder um, school to get into. Too, yeah, exactly. Really high grade. That's true. Yeah, that, that's a whole different conversation mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I think Wake Forest has done an exceptional job and they're just on the rise. So, I want to use this as a transition point. We have our NFL draft expert. He doubles as our college football expert just picking his brain about certain aspects. He's filling in for Will McCormick today. We appreciate his time on the Tony G Show. I want to use this as a transition point because you mentioned Pat Fitzgerald and the job he's done in Northwestern. Yeah. When the Packers switched gears from Mike McCarthy and they opened up the head coaching gig and were looking for someone to fill, I wanted Pat Fitzgerald. Really? Yeah. He was one of the either him or Josh McDaniels. I figured they needed someone to rejuvenize the Green Bay Packers just like Pat Fitzgerald did at Northwestern, yeah. just like – Josh McDaniels did with Tom Brady in New England. I wanted them to go get someone like that. I wanted Pat Fitzgerald. He opted to stay in Northwestern, but I want to use this as a transition point to the Green Bay Packers. That's our next discussion for the Tony G. Are they the best team in the NFL? Green Bay Packers, do you think they can be qualified as the best team? I think they're the best team in the conference, no doubt. Okay. Then you start putting them up against teams like the Buffalo Bills, uh, the Tennessee Titans. Granted, Tennessee Titans don't have Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry were back in... Are we talking about Packers being one of the best, the best team in the National Football League? I think you are. Okay. I think we are. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It's hard to argue against them. They're just so innovative. And now they have one of the better defenses in the National Football League statistically as well. What happened the last time the Green Bay Packers had a really good defense? Oh, they just won the Super Bowl? <laughs> I mean, what do you, I, you know? That's about it. And, and the one thing you have to look at too right now is you cannot deny the ability of their players to step up, their backups to step up and make big plays in big games. Yeah. Um, That's just been so impressive to me. And right now they're playing literally with second string backups, third string backups in the secondary along the offensive line, all these key positions, and they're still performing at such a high level. The thing that 
comes to my mind right now is that it's not like they're the healthiest team in the world. They had Aaron Rodgers gone for a game. They've dealt with injuries. Aaron Jones is in the middle of an injury now. Whitley Mer- Merciless, who was having a great year coming in out into the organization and was filling in in that defense, now he's injured. He's gone. They've dealt with their injuries. Yeah. Just like Arizona's dealt with their injuries. Kyler Murray's been injured. Hopkins has been injured. J.J. Watt's gone for the year. Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry has gone for the foreseeable future. They've dealt with their injuries too, the Green Bay Packers. So it's not like this is a Mickey Mouse type of deal where they're, yeah, they're one of the best teams. They always win, but but they're never injured. They've had injuries. They've had people gone in their lineup. Yeah, but how have they overcome that? They've overcome that with winning. That's true. They have not faltered. I, I think um, you look at, obviously, when Aaron Rodgers is out and Jordan Love comes in, that's that's a that's a different story. When your quarterback's hurt, I mean, the drop-off from your first-string guy to the second-string guy is going to be significant. Especially in Kansas City. Exactly. Tough place to play. Tough place to play. Um, the Chiefs are finding their identity again, too, in my opinion. But... Um, yeah, with those injuries, you just think about what's going to happen down the line. None of these guys that they've had hurt this year are out for the season, right? Yeah. They're all, they all have a timetable. Merciless is out for the year though, isn't he? He is. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. That was this past week that just came out. But Aaron Jones, they lucked out with that. He'll be out for two weeks. Tanya though. Yep. Tanya is another big one. He's out for the year. Rashawn Gary is out for, I don't know, maybe another two weeks or whatever. Um, and then you look at Zadarius Smith, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander. And the thing is, these players that are out aren't just your run-of-the-mill first-string guys. These are all pros. These are pro bowlers. These yeah. are impact players. So what kind of impact can they have down the road when they come back? You're right. What's this team going to look like when everybody gets back? To, you know, Let's say it's like week 13. Yeah. The Green Bay Packers are looking at winning the division. They're having a good year. They're considered one of the best teams in the NFL, and then they get healthy. Oh, my goodness. Dangerous. Dangerous. To say the least. What's up with Aaron Rodgers and his toe injury? Where did that come from? Did he stub his toe yeah, walking around? Yeah, did you around? see that he had, like, hasn't been practicing yeah. all season? Isn't that interesting? That toe injury came about before the Seahawks game. He played in the Seahawks game, Packers won, and then he doesn't practice on Wednesday because of that toe injury. He didn't play. He had COVID, so did he stub his toe? Did he fall down the stairs or something like that at home? I, I What happened? Yeah, I have no I, idea. I, no, I don't either. I mean, you remember Devontae Adams had, I think, a turf toe. It was turf toe. Yeah. I think one or two years ago it was, yep. and that really sidelined him. So if I'm a Packer fan, I'd be worried about the condition of that injury and how far it could extend in the, later into the season. Does Matt LaFleur finally win a Coach of the Year award? Don't you think he's deserving? Back-to-back 13-3 and seasons in his first two years as a head coach, following it up with another great year. Plus, you're adding, you're tacking one more game to the schedule, making it a 16-game season to a 17-game season. The Packers are 8-2. and two. Yeah. I mean, he's having this. He's having incredible success in the first three years as a head coach for the Green Bay Packers. I think overall, Tony, if I'm correct, he has the highest win percentage of a coach in NFL history in his first three years coaching. It has to be. He, Who's he does. better? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you that. But how amazing is it for a coach that young to come in and pick up a team with the history of the Green Bay Packers and not crumble under the weight of the expectations of not only the franchise but the fan base? He was a guy that struggled public speaking as well. His very, first couple press conferences so. for that introductory period of him getting to the Green Bay Packer organization, they were rough. He just wasn't a good public speaker. So you start to think, does this guy really have what it takes to be a head coach? Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to make too hasty of a judgment because he hasn't played a game. Well, you fast forward, 
And this is a team that is incredibly impressive, has one of the better, more innovative offenses in the league. I'd say the Packers got it right. <laughs> I don't know how you, I don't, I don't know how you could go wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Impressive that Matt LaFleur, and he's done it all while not winning a Coach of the Year award. Does he finally get one this year? I, I think it's about time. I, I think it's I, about time. I, I well. honestly think with all the injuries that he's gone through with the Rodgers COVID situation, I can't even. There's probably a bunch, bunch more issues that have happened throughout the season. If you want to name a few, but like, he's overcome so much, and he's still produced with backups. With I mean, he gave the the Chiefs a game with Jordan Love. I mean, people were taking the taking that game as oh, Jordan Love's not great. He's not the next guy in line. Right. But he put up a fight. I'm not gonna lie. And Mahomes didn't perform great in that game either. It was more of a defensive based game, a slug it out match. Um, and the Packers performed. They just didn't come out with a victory, and sometimes that happens. Also, as we talk about Aaron Rodgers being out for Wednesday, he's out for Thursday's practice. Today's practice for the Green Bay Packers, he's not practicing again today. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. just came out. Also, Aaron Rodgers, in a season where he switched, this is, the Matt, this is again in, the, in favor of the Matt LaFleur winning a Coach of the Year award. In a season where Aaron Rodgers made the switch, the 36 years old to 37 years old, high 30s, he won an MVP under Matt LaFleur. Yeah. And Matt LaFleur got just about none of the credit for it. It no. all went to Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, rightfully so. He's the quarterback that did it and put it all together. But how about Matt LaFleur revitalizing a Packers organization that was 6-9-1 and one under Matt, Mike McCarthy, revitalized the organization, changed the play of Aaron Rodgers and the entire offense, and now this is one of the better offenses in the league, not to mention they're having a top-10 defensive season, which is they haven't had since the Super Bowl year. Yeah. And they're destined for it success later on this season as well yeah and credit to joe barry after bouncing back during week one i mean week one was atrocious and well, i think a every couple weeks where i wasn't even i was out on him i was like well, what the the green bay packers go yeah pick up? yeah what are they doing come yeah. on yeah but um, of course as, you, as you're about to make the case for and i'll let you continue with it that's straightened out yeah <laughs> exactly really straightened out. yeah so <laughs> what i remember in the past couple of years is the packers were notoriously notoriously known for giving up big plays in the past game yeah that's true they, they've been awful in the past couple of years well in terms of giving up pass plays this season big pass plays the packers have the 30th ranked Oh, the yeah, it would be the 30th ranked team in terms of giving up big pass plays. So they're giving up big pass plays at 6%, which is phenomenal. So that's third fewest. Yes, big third fewest. Plays. Okay. Yes, sorry. I get what you're saying. Yeah. No, that's all right. My, my, I, I after after too. today's class, my brain's not computing like <laughs> yes, it should. That's one of the semester. Yeah, that's all right. it is, honestly. Um, so I think he's done a great job in terms of that. But what I also notice is that they're getting a lot more pressure up front, and it may be the development of their personnel and young guys like TJ Slayton, Kingsley Kiki, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, but he's dialing up some blitzes and doing some great things along that defensive line in ter- terms of scheme and getting guys in good positions to make impact plays. On that note of the defensive schemes, the great pass defense that the Packers are putting together through the first 10 games of the year, no quarterback this season has passed for three or more touchdowns or had a passer rating above 100 versus the Packers since week one, that 38-3 to loss against the Saints. Wow. So, I mean, they're one of the better defenses in the league. Yeah, no Statistically, doubt. they just are. And the way that they play, the schemes, I mean, this is one of the better. How do you make the argument against? So let's try to brainstorm here because we're both on the same side. So let's okay. keep this conversation going. How do you make the argument against the Green Bay Packers for being one of the better teams in the league? You'd have to say someone else would be 
So would you say in Arizona, would you say a Tennessee, would you say the Rams, even though they've lost the last two games and looked horrible, yeah. would you say the Bills, Tampa Bay? I mean, what other team is there to compete for the title of best team in the NFL with the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I'm having a hard time thinking of one. I really am. The team that I think rivals them the most is in the AFC, and I think that's the Buffalo Bills. I agree. Yeah. I just think they have the most complete team. When you're looking at their defense, their defensive line depth is insane. They have Star Latulale, Mario Addison, Ed Oliver. Gregory Rousseau is a rookie that's been playing out of his mind lately, who's always had athletic talent, but he's finally putting it together. Um, and then you look at their offense. Big explosive plays with Josh Allen and the exterior weapons there with Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, Stephon Diggs, just to name a few. I mean, that's a, that's a scary team right there. Not to mention head coach Sean McDermott. Yeah. Incredible job that he's done in Buffalo. Big fan tone? I am. Yeah. Huge fan. He's okay. a guy that's won a coach of the year award. Yeah. So why hasn't LaFleur? So why hasn't LaFleur? That's the question. <laughs> Speaking of the Bills, they will be included in Tony G's Picks of the Week. Are you ready to get to that? This is your first time experiencing Tony G's Picks of the Week. It is, and I'm so excited. All right. <laughs> Let's get into it then. Tony G's Picks of the Week. We miss Will McCormick. He's not around today. We'll have Matt Swanson fill in. Tony G's Picks of the Week. Tony G's picks of week 11. I was 2-3 and three last week. That brought my season record to 28-24. and 24. My overall career record, 99-70. and 70. Oh, Tony. I'm one win away from 100 in my career. I picked 169 games in my professional picking career in the history of the Tony G show. Are you sweating? Starting to. Yeah? Starting to. All right. Got to make sure I, I make the right picture. Crossing 100, it's a milestone. Can't wait to do it. I think you're going to get it. Let's see if we can do it tonight with Thursday Night Football. Huh? Okay. Patriots 6-4. and four. They head to Atlanta play the Falcons 4-5. and five. Here's what I got. Atlanta 0-3 in Atlanta this year. The one home win came overseas. Matt Ryan, he is 0-4 in his career versus Bill Belichick, including the Super Bowl. Patriots are undefeated on the road. We had that Mac Jones discussion me and Will did last Tuesday. He's having a great year as the potential rookie of the year for the New England Patriots. I say Pats by 17, 34-17. I'd go with Pats, too. I do not disagree on that. Okay, maybe win number 100 in the history of the Tony G Show. Yeah, maybe, potentially. Potentially. Sunday noon game. Colts 5-5 five and five, head to Buffalo play the Bills, who we were just talking about. 6-3 and three is their record. Buffalo, they are favored by 7.5 points. Number one defense, fewest passing touchdowns allowed this season. They're having a great year. Colts, their strength is the run game. Last seven games, Jonathan Taylor is averaging 109 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, six and a half yards per carry, 109 yards per game, excuse me. On the other side, though, the Bills are just allowing 3.8 yards per carry, third lowest in the NFL. Kind of back and forth. What do we think here? I'm going. Buffalo Bills will pull away late 26-14. Beautiful pick. Okay. Couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause. I'll keep it short and sweet. Thank you. (laughs) Just agree. Uh, Sunday afternoon, Cowboys 7-2 head to Chiefs to play Kansas City, who is 6-4. Chiefs are favored by 2.5 points at home in Kansas City. It'll be a good game. Yeah. Chiefs have the best offense, number one offense, 30th ranked defense. Cowboys have the number two ranked offense, ninth ranked defense. Dak leads the NFL with 16 touchdowns versus the Blitz, and the 
Kansas City Chiefs blitz just about as much as anybody. They blitz the sixth most out of any NFL teams. I see the Cowboys on the road in an upset 27-17. Tone, I love that pick, and the reason why I say that is because I think Kansas City's secondary is so shaky. It is. And the Cowboys' weapons are just so notorious for getting open and making plays in the open field in terms of C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. Everybody is quick to say Texas is back, Texas football. Yeah. Everyone say the Kansas City Chiefs are back after the huge 41-14 blowout victory against the Raiders. Listen, it's the Raiders who are in a debacle of a season. All the shifts and changes and unforeseen obstacles they've had to overcome. Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, everything that they've had to That's not an impressive win to me. No, it's been a mess. Kansas City Chiefs are not back. Yeah. yeah. Sunday Night Football, Steelers 5-3-1. and one. Head to Los Angeles, play the Chargers, who are 5-4. and four. Chargers are favored by 5.5 points. Here are the splits for Justin Herbert. This game depends. Who wins this game depends on what Justin Herbert we get. Justin Herbert in wins. 14 touchdowns, one interception, a passer rating of 113. In losses, he's five touchdowns, six interceptions, a passer rating of 74. The Steelers have a good defense, seventh-ranked defense even though they dealt with some injuries, even though they don't have an impressive offense. I say the Steelers go on the road, get the upset, 17-13 against the Chargers. That one I'm going to have to disagree with. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? I just look at Big Ben and the Steelers' offense, and I just don't see it. It is one of the worst offenses in the league. Maybe not statistically, but just flow-wise. They're hard to watch. They are. Uh, And just the Chargers are so, so explosive with Herbert at the helm. And then you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the outside. They can put points on you in a hurry, and I don't think the Pittsburgh Steelers can keep up. Interesting. So we disagree. Yeah. Those are my first four. Okay. You agreed with three, disagreed on one. Yep. Monday Night Football. Giants 3-6. and six. They head to Tampa Bay to play the 6-3 and three Bucks, who are favored by 11 points. Mike Evans, 116 yards per game, six touchdowns in five games versus the Giants in his career. Bucks, 24-19. I think that's the easiest pick you'll make all year. You know, I've said that before. Yeah. It hasn't been that way, though. You're kidding. <laughs> it just happens sometimes. I picked a Giants game not too long ago. I'm going to try to look for it. Where I thought it was a gimme. Oh, yeah. Giants at Chiefs. And Chiefs won by three. Really? Yeah, that was that Monday night football game. Okay. Chiefs favored by ten. Didn't win by that much. Same type of situation, Monday Night Football. Why do they keep putting the Giants on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I was wondering that, too. Who like, decides been, that? They've been on there already? Yeah, once already. Yeah, and then that you come back the next week, and it's like you're in a time machine. I don't know. Tampa Bay this week, though. Those are my Tony G picks of the week. Patriots, Bills, Cowboys, Steelers, Bucks. Try to get myself on the right track. Try to surpass 100 career victories. Best of luck, Tone. I Thank think you. you're in a good spot. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. That'll just about do it for the Tony G Show. I do appreciate our NFL draft expert, college football expert, Matthew Swanson, for subbing in for Will McCormick today. We miss Will. He'll be back on Tuesday, though. We'll have you on again, of course, probably closer to the draft. Yeah. We'll have you on, talk about what you what you know and, and stuff like that. So thanks again for coming around. Uh, enjoyed having you on. Yeah, my pleasure, Tone. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Always. Matthew Swanson. Give him a follow on Twitter. Follow his work. He's done a great job as an intern and as a student at St. Norbert College as well. He's going places. That's Matthew Swanson. I won't even let you say it. You'll say something nice about me. I ain't even going to give you the opportunity. That's Matthew Swanson. Fair enough. Tony G. It's the Tony G. Show.
Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 